Well, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, Mosaic. I said, happy Mother's Day, Mosaic. Mother's Day is one of my favorite holidays. Um, I, you know, I know there's a lot of holidays that we celebrate in America. Sometimes I think of them as kind of like, eh, I don't know, President's Day, eh, Columbus Day. Um, but Mother's Day is one that, that we have right. Um, and to all of the mothers in here, incredible women who, who lead their families, lead their communities, lead in their churches, we're grateful for you. We celebrate you, and it is, it's my honor to be able to preach today, and I, and I hope to do justice to um, the gratitude that we all have um, for God blessing us with you. And so I um, wanted to just start by talking about how cool I think it is, um, how cool I think motherhood is. Just and, and we'll get to the spiritual component, but even from a biological standpoint, you think of, I mean, God created this entire world and all the different systems therein and created man and animals and all of that, but I, I think the crown jewel of all creation, and yeah, I, removing Christ from it, right? But the crown jewel of, of creation is, is a mother. And amen, amen. I, I don't think there's, I, I think that was God at that point showing off. Like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm really going to wow you with this. And when you, and we, you read in Genesis, the, the last of creation. And you talk about saving the best for last, right? Created the whole world, created animals, created fish, created, you know, all of this. And then he creates man. And then after creating man, creates woman from the man's rib. And I think God was just given a full, like when you go to watch the fireworks at the 4th of July, like they don't do the best at the beginning. At the end, it's just boop, 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 boop. Like that's women. And, and the way that he, he engineered um, the, the creation of women and the way that, like you think, you think about, you know, in, inside Inside of a, of, a, of a mother's womb, God is given credit for knitting us together. Scripture says he knit you together inside of your mother's womb. And <clears throat> you watch two people, hopefully not watch, I shouldn't say watch. Watch is, a, watch is a poor choice of words. But you have two people that get together. I know because that would have came up later. You have two people that get together and sometimes, you know, those two individuals may have a hard time putting together an essay. But inside of the mother's womb, he creates another person, right? And, and you see in the gestational periods that, you know, this development and this, this worship, this glory to God that's happening inside of her. And, sometimes, and then they eventually come out and they have their own personality and they're made in the image of God to continue to grow out um, his glory and grow out his goodness. That happens because of mothers. And so I, I, I'm fascinated, even, even when, the, when the child comes out, and I've had the privilege of seeing this a few times, they come out, God turns the mother's body into a source of food for the child. You don't see this happen anywhere else. It's from the mom, and like there's just this bond between 
um, the command of being fruitful and multiplying and the mother's role in it that's super unique and, and well worth celebrating, not just today, but, but every day. But many of you guys know motherhood isn't just about biological offspring. Um, some call a woman mom that didn't give them birth. And some mothers never gave birth to anyone at all, and we celebrate all of them. We celebrate mothers, but we also celebrate stepmothers. We celebrate, and I think stepmothers, are, stepmothers and adoptive mothers are, are a super cool relationship because, you know, when you, when you deliver a child, there's this expectation of a bond there. But when you haven't delivered this child and you choose to love them the same way, if not more than a person that delivered, it's just, wow, you know, what an incredible relationship that is. And we celebrate them. Foster mothers, some of our friends down in um, South Florida, Jacob and Tiffany Quinones, um, were foster parents. And I got to watch them bring children into their homes that they knew that they weren't going to be able to keep long term. But in the, in the short amount of that they had them, you couldn't tell that this wasn't their, their child from birth. There was a love and a bond there that even for a season what they poured into these children, and we celebrate them. Mother-in-loves. Some of you guys call them mother-in-laws, but in my family call them mother-in-loves. My mother-in-love, Gloria Beam, um, who we don't look alike, we don't particularly act alike, we certainly don't have the same cleanliness practices. She's very and I am not so much, but um, she has four children. She has uh, from birth Christy uh, and Elizabeth, and then through marriage she has Jace and myself. And and you know she'll probably never admit it publicly, but I am now her favorite child. And so there's an incredible relationship there. Grandmothers, grandmothers. You know I I've been blessed with some incredible grandmothers that have, and oftentimes you'll see a grandmother bridge the gap, you know, if there's something that's going on that removes the mother from the situation. And grandmothers, they step in, they step up, and they love, and they pour into. And I've watched that happen in my family. I've watched that happen in many other families. And so grandmothers, we celebrate them, even aunts, you know, in our, in our family, you know, we, we may call them moms, but they're all moms. These are all moms of our, of our community, and today we celebrate all of you. Church mothers. When I was coming up, um, we didn't call the older ladies in our church, you know, miss this or miss that. It was mother, mother this, mother that. Like my grandmother, Dorothy Jones, if you look at her, at her uh, um, bi biological family chart, it would show that she had five children. But if you look spiritually, uh, Mother Jones had hundreds of children because of the way she poured in to her church and community. And there's a lot of people that looked up to her as a mom. And we celebrate, we celebrate them. There are church mothers that never had any children. They never, they never birthed any children. But they're just as much of a mother, maybe even more important of a mother um, than anyone else. And then we have community mothers. I think of when I was in college, um, my, Joel Strickland and I, Joel's not here today, but Joel and I were, uh, were roommates, 
and his mom lived very close, and she used to come by all the time and bring us different drinks and, and, and um, honey roasted peanuts and things like that. And it's funny because Joel, I don't think he at the time had this idea of community mom. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I definitely had this idea. So the stuff she brought for Joel, like that was for me too. Like this is my mom too. And it, it, we ran into friction a few times where he, you know, he would come back from a few days trip. He came back and all the Gatorades and everything were gone. I was like, show, mom brought them. And, and so, and, and, and um, mom Pam has become very close to me to where she's, she's a mom to me as well. And, and to my kids, she's Pamma. She's Grandma Pam. And they have a unique bond with her. Again, not biologically, not by DNA, you would never tell it. But spiritually, that's a, that's a mother to me. And so today as we celebrate motherhood, I just want you to know that we celebrate the biology of mothers, but we also, even more than that, celebrate spiritual mothers, community mothers, teachers, mentors, any woman that is pouring into and developing and loving and leading to the Lord, young people, um, we celebrate you today. And we're grateful for who you are. Mosaic as a church wouldn't be here without mothers. The the macro church wouldn't be here without mothers. Literally, none of you would be in here without mothers. And so we celebrate you today, and we're grateful for you. Um, we're going to jump to our question time. If this is your first time at Mosaic, we like to uh, jump into circles and talk about a few things, give us some time to, to bond and share thoughts. But our questions for today are, who are some of the influential women in your life? Maybe it's somebody that I had on the list. Maybe it's you know, individuals that, um, that I forgot to mention. But who are some of those influential women in your life? And the second question are, what are the attributes of a good mother? You think about a good mother, and, and some of us may not be able to answer that from a first-person standpoint because maybe we didn't have that. Unfortunately, maybe we didn't grow up with that. But what would you recognize, maybe in somebody else, as the attributes of a good mother? We'll take a few minutes, and then we'll come back. So again, celebrating mothers, celebrating Mother's Day. Um, God uses mothers to shape human history. You know, we can start, there's, scripture is just filled with the stories of mothers who have done incredible things, um, who've been obedient to the Lord and have led to us having the uh, salvation, having um, a relationship that we have with the Lord today. Um, you know, you start, you can think of Eve, right? I know Eve oftentimes get credit for the, the cursing of the world, but it's through the seed, the descendant of Eve, that we get Christ. Um, I've seen childbirth a number of times, and that that Eve continued to have more children after the first was a miracle in of itself. There was no anesthesia. Eve didn't have any midwives there with her. She was the only woman at the time. You think about that. There's nobody else on planet Earth that understands what you are going through. Nobody to encourage you, no what to expect books, none of that. And Eve, you know, had uh, Cain, Abel, and then continued on with Seth and that lineage 
leads down eventually uh, into Abraham. And we look at, you know, the story of Sarah. And although we, we can look at her time of doubt, we can also look at, hey, here is a woman in her very elderly years that was obedient to the Lord and bore a child. It's difficult to bear a child young. And here she is in her elderly years, obedient to the Lord, having a child. That lineage comes through Abraham. And it goes on and on and on all the way down to a young woman. Um, it's probably very, very young in age. Uh, it's culturally at that time. Having a child that had not even been married, hadn't even experienced sex, and she's now bringing the Messiah into the world. And so God brought us, God brought us Jesus through a woman. Think of that. No guy participated in that process. It was through a woman um, that he brought us the Messiah of the world. And so we celebrate woman. Um, God at times describes his emotion as only being comparable to a woman. Uh, there's, there's, uh, the passage I think LaRonda shared earlier, where he longs for us. He wants to gather us. Wants to gather us like what? Like a dad? No, not so much. Dads oftentimes don't want to gather. Um, <laughs> but he wants to gather us like a woman, like a hen, right? You know, bringing her chicks under her wings. And so um, I've never heard of, raise your hand if you guys have, well, have ever heard of a mama bear, right? A mama bear as someone that's very, protective, that's going to look over her children, are going to, only time I've seen a papa bear is like in a nursery rhyme or like in a, uh, on some pajamas for Christmas, but papa bears aren't really as much of a thing. No disrespects to dads, but there's a unique bond and relationships uh, between a mother and her children, and I think it's the way that God's designed it. Um, and so we're going to look at two different stories of mothers that have taken um, drastic approaches for their children and how God used them uh, to shape human history. So the first one, we don't even have her name, but it's Moses's mother. Uh, and the second one is going to be Naomi. So if we, I don't have the clicker, you guys can jump to the side. So we're, we're in Exodus 2. And at this time, um, the, the Jews are in Egypt and there's a tyrant of a pharaoh that's there at that time, likely this is Ra, but um, not confirmed. But there's a tyrant of a pharaoh here at this time that is not an appreciator of the Jews, not a celebrator of Joseph. Uh, he sees the Jews as a threat, and he enacts this command to take all of the uh, newborn Jewish boys and to throw them in the Nile. He wants them all to be killed. Uh, because he doesn't want the Jews to continue to multiply and grow and eventually be a strong enough army to be a threat against Egypt. And so Moses' mother is living at this time. And her, uh, she and another Levite man are married. Uh, they come together, and we pick it up in Exodus 2, and we'll see how she responds to this. Now, a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. 
Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses saying, I drew him out of the water. What an incredible story. You have a mom here who has a newborn child and has the, the law of the land, the, the law of, of, of Egypt is to throw her child into, a now, into the now. But the love of, of mothers, the love of this mother is so radical she takes her life into her own hands and hides the baby. I don't know if any of you guys have ever tried to hide a child. I've tried to hide from a child many of times. It is impossible. But to actually hide the child themselves, I mean the noise, the screaming, the all that happens in that, it's, it's impossible. It's impossible. And, but she, she commits herself to it. And there's, there's an additional part of this story where the command was given to the midwives um, from the Pharaoh to report on if there's a child, right, and to have them tossed into a now. But the midwives were also oftentimes in that culture mothers. And so they lied to the Pharaoh. They lied to the Pharaoh um, to save the baby's life. He said, man, those Hebrew women... They're so strong. They're popping these kids out before we even get a chance to get there, right? So they've all co-conspired to the protection of these children. And so I, and I think that part is worth noting because as we shared earlier, motherhood isn't just a biological thing. Motherhood is a communal thing. Moses in this story has had his biological mom. He's had midwife mothers that that protected him he had his sister play a motherly role and then when he's put into this basket and, and again this is this is a woman man there's so many things that when he's put into the basket and sent down to the nile who does he run into but again his his now adoptive mother right there's his whole life his whole start had been protected by a multitude of mothers the only guy I hear of mentioned in this is his dad at the point of, hey, they got married and this is where the kid came from. But it was mothers who, stu who, um, who stood up for those children. It was mothers who came to the bat and protected with them. It was mothers who saved Moses' life. It was a mother who then raised Moses. And eventually, you know, we get the story of the Exodus and that. And Moses is then, you know, able to deliver Israel from Egypt. We get the Torah. We get the Ten Commandments. All of these things we get from Moses. 
we wouldn't have the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers without Moses, but we don't have Moses without the heroic efforts of his mom and the community of mothers that are around him. And I've, I've seen that happen in churches regularly. And so as I think about the mothers that are here and the different ways that grandmothers and aunts and friends are advocating to, to help out children, to help out people in this community, I thought it was appropriate to share this story as a parallel to, to what is happening inside of Mosaic and what should be happening um, in churches all around the world. One of, one of the key attributes of, of Moses' mom that I think is worth mentioning um, is that she, and, and I think is an attribute of any good mother is that she trusted God with her children. The amount of faith she had to have, clearly she didn't want her child to die. Clearly she was hiding him and um, could have thrown him into the Nile, didn't go that route. Clearly she didn't want him to die, but she was at a point where she could do nothing else. So she puts him in this basket and, and pushes him down the Nile. And nobody knows what's going to happen to him. Nobody knows where he's going to... The act of faith that that takes as a mother is tremendous. But if she didn't do that, we would never hear of Moses. That story would have... That would have been gone. There would have had to be somebody else risen up because I'm very confident Moses would have passed. And so... I'm, I'm grateful that she had that kind of faith and grateful in this room that a lot of you mothers have that same kind of faith as well, where you're like, hey, you can only go so far. You can't keep this child in your grips. You can't, but what you can do is pray and give them over to the Lord and trust God with their life. A, a key attribute of a great mom is being able to trust God with your child and remove the control yourself. And so I celebrate, I celebrate Moses' mom, and I'm grateful for, for who she is. I'm grateful for the faith um, and the example that she gives, you know, to me and to all of us, but particularly to mothers and how to, and how to lead with their children and how to take radical approaches with their children. And then we have the book of Ruth, which is the next slide. Yeah, there we go. The book of Ruth. And so Ruth, there's a story of Ruth and Naomi. Naomi is not Ruth's biological mom. This is a mother-in-law. So here's, again, one of those relationships where it's like, hey, is motherhood only about, you know, biological offspring? Absolutely not. And Ruth is super committed to her mother-in-law. There's a tragic story that happened here where Naomi's two sons passed. And her husband passed as well. Um, and so Ruth is left with just her and her daughter-in-law, Naomi, and they've, they are returning to Ruth's homeland. Most of you guys kind of know this story, and we'll pick it up here in chapter 3. And it says, one day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be provided for. Ruth is in mourning. I mean, sorry, Naomi is in mourning. Naomi has lost her husband. Naomi has lost her sons. Naomi doesn't even want to be called Naomi anymore. Her name meant pleasant. She wants to be called Mara, which means bitter. Like she, she is in a very, very dark um, 
place of lament and mourning. However, as it relates to being a mom, even in those seasons, mothers oftentimes rise to the occasion and step up. I've seen my mom go through some of the most traumatic things that life has to offer. And in the midst of all of that, she still had joy. She still was there for me, my sister, our children, her, her mother, cousins, aunts, anybody else. And, that's, and it's something that, that I just think is unique to mothers and has to be celebrated. Because I know as a guy and as a dad, boy, when I start getting tired, I'm out. <laughs> like that's, bro, I'm just not built to be able to withstand all of the multitude of emotion and traumatic things that are going on. Like I have to, I'm, I would say in those moments, I'm probably not the best parent. Meanwhile, I watch my wife, I watch my mom, and I watch many of you women that are going through incredible things and you continue to rise to the occasion. And I celebrate, I celebrate you guys. And, and, and Naomi is in the same place. So now Boaz, who was, now Boaz, with those women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. And Ruth responded, I will do whatever you say. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. Another attribute of a great mom. Not only, not only do mothers put their children first, even before themselves, but a mother gives great advice. Mothers give, give wisdom and impart wisdom. And I heard that as I was walking around listening to some of your comments. Mothers care about their kids, but mothers impart wisdom. And Naomi gave Ruth a formula on um, how to be provided for, how to be secured at this time. And so Ruth does everything that she says, and then we jump to chapter four. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age, for your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given birth has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And if you guys don't know the cliff notes or the, the, the cliffhanger is that through that lineage, through Ruth and Boaz, a relationship that was put together, not off of them just meeting somewhere, not off of them, you know, being on the biblical tender or matchmaker. This was, this was a setup by her mother-in-law, 
who she could have just parted ways with and said, hey, that relationship was between my son, he's gone, I'm out. No, it's not about biology, it's about love. A relationship put together was the lineage that led to Christ, the lineage that led to Mary, the lineage that led to our Redeemer being here, a relationship put together by Naomi. And so I celebrate her. As I celebrate uh, you women in, in, in here um, who do the same, who step in. And we have no, right, right now it may be difficult to see. At that time it may have been difficult to see. But the way that mothers step up to the plate time and time again, I wouldn't be here without it. Many of you wouldn't be here without it. This church wouldn't be here without you. And so, and so we're grateful for you. Um, we're going to wrap it up here in Titus 2. So by the time we get to the New Testament, um, we have Paul, um, actually, yeah, we have Paul in, in a communication with Titus. And um, they're, they're in this land of Crete, I believe, is, is where, where, where Titus is, is based. And they're trying to instruct this area on how to live godly and what are the core components of a godly community. And so we'll pick it up here in two. It says, you, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. And so they needed the, the older men and the older women to be sound because they were the ones that were raising up and mentoring the next generation. And so verse four says, then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children. And so this is, this is central to any godly community as family unit. And central to that family unit is the mom and the mom being able to love the husband and love the children. Obviously, you know, going to the responsibilities of the men, we're not, you know, discarding that. But the importance of the, the role of the mom and wife in a godly community can't be replaced. And so we're going, going to the last slide and we'll wrap it up here. We talk about love. And I don't know if you guys remember that song, what is love, baby, don't hurt me. There's a question on what is love. And we talked about this before. Oftentimes in our culture, we think of love as preference or what I like or what feels good to me. Uh, in Hebrew, the root of the most common usage of love is a word called ahav. Oftentimes when you hear it used in sentences, it would be ahava, but ahav. And... A, a, a quick lesson through this is that I couldn't find the, the Hebrew images, but every letter in Hebrew has a pictographic image that goes with it. So the A, which is an olive, is an image of an ox, a leader, um, someone who has strength. The H is a hay, which is like a, a latticeway, a gateway, and then you have the ox again, and the, which would be a bayet, a bayet which is a house. So there's this imagery, just speeding through this, this imagery of an ox 
going through a lattice way to the head of the house or bringing this home. And the image of love in the Hebrew context is that which leads to the Father. So love isn't about just doing anything or preference. It's about doing the things that, and leading in a way, leading someone to the Father. That doesn't mean they'll always follow. You can be loving people and they, they don't accept the Lord. You can be loving people and they don't come to the Father. But the act of love, anywhere you look in the text and you, and you see Jesus doing something or you look at any of the, the actions of these mothers, what are they doing? They're trying to lead their child. They're trying to lead people to the Father. And so my um, celebration to you guys, to you, to you ladies today is that I see this happening all the time, and, and we want to take today to appreciate it. Not only are you, not everything that you do is always the most preferred thing by your child. Not everything that you do is, is the most preferred thing from the community. Sometimes, sometimes you, you have tough conversations that, that may trigger some tears and things like that, but you do it with courage because that's what love is. Um, and... If, if there's anybody in here um, that hasn't been loving in that way, hasn't been loving with that intention, I just want to give, give you a, a challenge that, that you're equipped. You are uniquely as a mother, as a community mother, as a biological mother, as a spiritual mother, as a church mother, as an adoptive mother, as a stepmother, as a mother in love, as a whatever mother you are, you are uniquely created by God and equipped to be able to lead, to lead people to the Father. So I, I challenge you to, uh, to be sensitive to that and do that. So happy Mother's Day to all the mothers in here. Our sincere gratitude to you and all that you do for us. And um, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. And although you are our heavenly father, we thank you for mothers, that you created mothers um, for us. Father, I pray for anybody in here that, uh, that has been deprived of a good mom, Lord. I, I pray that you would send people along their path or you yourself would bridge the gap for them um, and and show them what the love of a mother is like. Um, and Lord, and also equip them, uh, if it's a woman, to, to be a, a godly mother themselves, whether it be biologically, whether it be just from a communal standpoint, whether it be in a church standpoint, whatever way you have fit, Father, I pray that you would, you would bless them in that way, Lord. But for all of the good mothers, that are out here, Lord, um, and many of which are in this room, Father. I just, I just pray that you make it clear to them how important they are, how needed they are, how many lives they've changed, Lord, um, that this church wouldn't be here without them, that um, our communities are better because of them, Lord. I pray that their hearts are full with gratitude and love, and Lord, that you would let them know that they're appreciated, not just today on Mother's Day, but every day, Father. I pray every day would be a day that we celebrate mothers here at Mosaic. And we thank you for this in the name of Jesus. Amen.